Hello and welcome to the Cinema Show, where we bring you movie news, reviews, and insights right here on our podcast. I'm Dilla Martin. Here with me is Jackson. Hey, everybody. On this episode, we'll be giving you a retrospective, and here we like to pick a certain franchise or genre in the movie world, and with news breaking with the official announcement of the release date for Justice League. Zack Snyder's Justice League. Yes, not the 2017 (laughs) Justice League, what we got. We're getting a whole new, apparently, a whole new movie, the Snyder Cut. So we thought it was perfect timing to give you guys a little bit of insight, just uh, take a step back and see uh, where it's been and where it's headed. And the DCEU starts in 2013 with Man of Steel, directed by Zack Snyder, written by David S. Goyer, with a budget of $225 million, grossing $668 million worldwide. And going based off Rotten Tomatoes, the critic score is 56. I remember watching the teaser trailer for this movie, and it was in front of The Dark Knight Rises. And what a great trailer that was. It was really ominous. It it wasn't showing much at all. Just a little kid putting on a little, I want to say it was like a red blanket. And it ends with Superman in the sky, and you see him go sonic boom out into the atmosphere. Uh, It was great. Uh, But Jackson, you actually have fresh eyes because I watched this in the theater like most of the movies we're going to talk about today. But you have fresh eyes. You kind of have more insight into it. Yeah. So uh, I recently just saw this movie like a couple of weeks ago uh, for the first time uh, in the nearly eight years that it's been out. I have yet to see it. Uh, so I was like, you know what, I'm going to finally sit down and watch Man of Steel after all this time. And nearly eight years later, after all of that foresight going into it, because I've been hearing people talk about this movie in front of me and just watching YouTube videos about it ever since it's come out. So I basically already knew everything that was going to happen in the movie uh, before I even went into it. But actually watching it for myself, it was a completely different experience than I was expecting. I just like I was I thought I was just going to go through the motions, but actually sitting down and seeing it all play out in front of you, it's just I don't wish that on anybody. <laughs> I, I no one should have to see this movie. It was slow. So much could have been cut out. Uh, the editing on this movie was just awful. And not only that, but there were some questionable at best script choices and directorial choices. I guess we're already bashing Zack Snyder in this. I mean, <laughs> it was going to happen eventually. It was either this one or the next one. Hey, look, when this movie was announced, it was a it was a very different time leading up to the release of Man of Steel. You have to consider the hugely successful Dark Knight trilogy by Christopher Nolan. Now, Warner Brothers, they're itching. They really wanted to cash in on their properties, especially with the success of where the MCU was. You have to think about the Avengers just struck gold. It's huge gamble paid off. And so there's a lot of, I mean, it's it's Superman. This is your flagship character. He's the superhero of all super, superheroes. He stood the test of time and you can go anywhere around the world and they know who Superman is. Yeah, he stands for hope. That that's what Superman is. 
So me going into it, I I mean, I, I don't go into any movie expecting the worst out of it, especially the characters that I love, like Superman or Batman or Spider-Man, whoever. And yeah, going into this, oh man, it was, yeah, it was tough, especially thinking about Zack Snyder and what he's done. I'm a huge fan of 300. I liked Watchmen. I think a lot of others like it more than I do, but I was excited. Zack Snyder, he knows his action. He knows how he knows how to tell his version of a character. And with the success of Batman, a very dark character, and how the trailers were portraying Superman in his own movie, um, I thought that's what I wanted from a Superman movie until I watched it. And that's when everything kind of settled in like, oh, no, this is not what you want to do with Superman. Yeah, they, they kind of tripped themselves before they even got started. You know, it's funny. There's a line in this movie kind of like on the nose, very on the nose. It says the world isn't ready for a Superman. Th that couldn't be further from the truth today. Eight years later, the world needs Superman right now with everything going on, dude. We need Superman right now. Uh, and for this movie to boldly say the world isn't ready for Superman and it isn't ready for the version of Superman that I'm giving you, I'm sorry, but it was definitely not a step in the right direction. Yeah, this movie was a it put a lot on its shoulders more than it should have, especially with the the religious allegories that Zack Snyder likes to put in. Oh, what are you talking about? I didn't know he compared Superman to Jesus at all. <laughs> that was so subtle. I almost missed it. It was shockingly overwhelming, this movie, in so many ways. When it starts being meta, and not in the Deadpool, look at the camera, wink kind of way, more of a, it tried to be a product of its own time. You know, when we're getting these dark, gritty movies like with Batman and other movies, even outside superhero movies. This isn't your daddy, Superman. Yeah, like when, again, you go back to that line, like, does the world need Superman? Uh, we have to bring up Richard Donner in his Superman movie. I know it came out in a different time. It was the 70s. Everything was a little tongue-in-cheek back then. But, I mean, that's the appeal to Superman. You know, we're always going to be grounded in our own reality and when we open up a comic book of Superman, that's that's escapism right there at its finest. Exactly. Movies are supposed to be an escape. And this just this movie slimes you back down to reality hotter than any movie I've ever seen. And, and it could work sometimes. Don't get me wrong. It, it, it works. Just I mean, look, one of the posters for this movie, it shows Superman being handcuffed, escorted by the U.S. military. I mean, that in itself already, it's dated. You've dated yourself. and Yeah, I, and it's only going to get worse because I think we're not even a decade out from this movie and we're already saying it's dated. Imagine how dated it's going to look even 50 years from now like the uh, Richard Donner Superman is. I mean, both are dated in their own aspect, but I think this one will age much worse. It 2013 really was that time when Dark and Gritty was the new it factor, but unfortunately for them... It was on its way out because it had already been established way back. Even Twilight Princess, which came out in 2006, was right in the middle of all of that starting up. And after 2013, really, when I take a look back at it, it that's just really when that trend kind of died. And I mean, look at the superhero movies we're getting now. Look at Shazam, how much that's like Richard Donner's Superman, you know? Look at Birds of Prey. Look at Guardians of the Galaxy. The best comparison I can make from this movie to... Any other movie, which would be, funny enough, the original Superman movie. They're both origins. But the way these two movies go at it, 
it's really telling. So going back to the original Richard Donner movie, Paul Kent dies from natural causes. He gets sick and he dies. I believe it was a heart attack. And right then and there, it's the first time you can actually feel like Superman. You can relate to him on an emotional level. Superman could save anyone at any time, anywhere, but he fails. He fails at saving his own his own dad. And it's not his fault. It's just that hopelessness that he feels. It's Superman gaining a sense of humanity. That, that's what that is. It's like he, everyone up until that point, he's been able to save in some way, shape, or form. And he finally couldn't. It's a very powerful lesson uh, for Superman to learn. And he learns it in the worst way possible in this movie. Yeah, so Paul Kent in this movie, he... Paul Kent, by the way, <laughs> Kevin Costner. Paul Kent kind of kills himself <laughs> via tornado. Well, even leading up to that, he is so harsh. He is the beacon of that question, like, oh, the world doesn't need Superman. That's Paul Kent in Superman's ear the whole time, like, stop. Yeah, there's a flashback towards the beginning of this movie where he's having a conversation with Paul Kent. He is Superman, by the way. Uh, he's having a po- conversation with Paul Kent. He's like, well, what was I supposed to do, Dad? Just let the bus full of children and the bus driver die? Maybe. <laughs> why would Pa Kent respond like that? Yeah, especially to a kid. And why would you give Pa Kent that character trait to begin with? Why would you have Pa Kent be the one to say, like, okay, so I know what they were trying to go for. No, the world isn't ready for him. They're going to be scared. They're not going to understand him. Like, he's just worried about Superman being taken the wrong way. I know what they were trying to do with it. But it's, it doesn't work because it just, when you actually kind of look at it critically, it's like, well, why would Pa Kent be the one to say this? Yeah, can, but can we just briefly touch on the the third act and how, how insane that is? I, I mean, I'm all for action. I'm all for Superman flying through Metropolis, fighting bad guys. Not like that. But wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this movie, again, it was overwhelming and just, it was convoluted more than it should have been. To me, this movie felt like an origin movie, which the first one did as well, the original. And then it also wanted to throw in the whole General Zod storyline, which is from the second movie. So you're putting these two movies together and you're kind of putting this very, just very dark gray filter over it and... You call it a Superman movie, and it it didn't feel like that for me. And again, there's some people that do. They they love this movie. I'm, I try to understand everyone's point of view, but th- that I cannot understand. I cannot see any Zack Snyder movie uh, being anyone's favorite interpretation of these characters. Yeah. Let's see what his interpretation was of another very popular DC character. And we jump to 2016 with Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice again. A whole three years later. (laughs) Yeah. And we also want to keep in mind the timeline of the MCU and where they're at. But we'll talk about that in a bit. So we have Zack Snyder back directing and we have David S. Goyer back on the writers team with Chris Terrio. And we have a budget of 250 million Grossing $873 million worldwide and a critic score, again, this is going off of Rotten Tomatoes, with a 28%. So, again, <laughs> I watched this in the theater and I, it was on a date and that should have been telling because it was, it was the same way that relationship ended. It was complicated. It was very dark. And, and someone busted a sink over someone's head. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't even know what was going on towards the end. 
I love Batman. I love Superman. And man, you want to rewind maybe like 10 years before this movie came out in 26. Uh, let's go back to 2006, right? And you tell me a Batman. Yeah, and, 10 years. Yeah. So a Batman and Superman movie, it's coming out. And it would be a no brainer that this would be the best thing ever. I mean, it's a no-brainer. We, we've had so much time with especially Batman in films and all these different types of mediums. And of course, Superman is just, he's Superman. Everyone knows him. And you put them together, <laughs> this movie shouldn't have failed. <laughs> you know what I mean? What we got, yeah, it's kind of embarrassing, wouldn't you say? It, it really is. Like, it, it definitely impressed in the box office, but with what we actually got, you know, this was the movie that scared... Captain America 3, otherwise known as Captain America Civil War, out of its March time slot in 2016. This movie coming out in March, they announced, and Disney got scared and moved Captain America 3, uh, we didn't know what it was about at the time, back to May. So for this movie to scare Civil War out, already that was being like, alright, what do you... What do you got to show for it? And uh, not much, it appears. I guess Zack Snyder didn't really learn from his lesson because, again, it kind of brings up the same problems that Man of Steel had. And I'm not sure if it was worse or better than what we got before. But again, it's more convoluted than it should be. Zack Snyder's trying to give Amy Adams something to do. So she's going around asking people about this bullet. Um, <laughs> and... <laughs> You have so many storylines going on here. Not only that, but if you, it's kind of a no-brainer that Lex Luthor would be in this movie. If anyone who's familiar with these kind of comics and anytime Batman and Superman collide, Lex Luthor's always playing a role. But you add in Wonder Woman, you add in Doomsday, by the way, spoiled in the trailer and looked like, he looked like a Goomba from the Super Mario <laughs> Brothers yeah. movie. Yeah, he did. Uh, even before this movie came out, you kind of already feel... It's like seeing a storm coming your way, and you're like, nah, I'm, I'm going to stay inside. I'm going to wait this out. And it was a lot worse than you thought it was. Yeah, we should have abandoned ship after that, that second trailer, I think is what it was. Or maybe it was like the trailer, and before we had only gotten the teaser. It was one of those two. Yeah. I remember watching that in the car, and... And I was like, yikes, this this doesn't look good. <laughs> and sure enough, when I sat down on opening weekend, I actually kind of liked it <laughs> on opening weekend. I'm not sure what I was on at the time, but I came away from this movie like, I mean, that wasn't too bad. Uh, reflecting on it now, uh, I also saw this again recently. And no, it's a big steaming pile of uh, poop, as uh, Ian Malcolm would say. You have, again, fresh eyes in a sense because I have yet to watch the director's cut. And you did. Well, I mean, it's not like I, I'm granted like some grand wisdom or something because the th extra 30 minutes that they tacked onto it didn't really help much. It kind of explained a little bit more about... Uh, Lois and the bullet and Jenna Malone was there for like three scenes and she didn't do really, really anything. And uh, it was just pointless. So I sat down for an extra 30 minutes of content that I didn't need. Again, this movie kind of falls into its own trap when it wanted to set up a, a bigger movie that, you know, we, we have, you know, DC has their own Avengers. We all know it's quite frankly, maybe a couple of years ago. It was more popular than the Avengers, the Justice League, which we'll talk about in a bit. But it does play a huge factor into this movie because towards the end, Gal Gadot, who plays Wonder Woman in this movie, she finds a file of a, 
of a couple of metahumans. I think what happened is they realized like at the last second that they can't introduce half of the Justice League in the Justice League movie. So there needed to be one scene just dedicated to introducing these characters. And what better way than it be on a flash drive and it being sent to Wonder Woman like with Batman being like this you <laughs> and with also three other metahumans. So th- I, that's how that scene came to be. They were like, here, do this. It feels so out of place and it stops all the momentum and it's only there solely to build the universe instead of doing it organically through the rest of your scenes, you know? Do you know what this reminds me of? Warner Brothers or whoever was making this movie, I'm sure they watched this movie, which came out two years before Batman v Superman, and it did the exact same thing at the end, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, where they just want to set up a Sinister Six movie, yeah, but instead of heroes, right. they use villains. Spider-Man did it way worse because they just had a bunch of Easter eggs in the back. It's funny to me how they did the exact same thing and they thought they would get away with it. They thought they were actually doing something with this franchise. Yeah, th- well, they think that they were. They thought they were actually doing something with this one and the last movie too, but uh, they were wrong all three times. I will. Okay, look, I I don't want to be a we're gonna be on. We're gonna be a downer on a lot of these movies. I will say this. Unfortunately, I try to give. I try to say something positive about each of them. Uh, not so much Man of Steel, but I did like Batfleck. I did like Ben Affleck as Batman. I thought he looked great. Yeah, he's good. I think the best thing that the DC EU has going for them is their casting. And this was the movie that made me realize it on my rewatch. Because in the first one, I'm like, man, there's a lot of good people here. Henry Cavill is a great Superman. Uh, Amy Adams is a great choice for Lois Lane. There's Lawrence Fishburne. You got... uh, Michael Shannon. uh, I was going to say William Shatner. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been a great movie, too. Yeah, it would (laughs) have. So, yeah, and then in this movie, you got Gal Gadot, who's gorgeous. You got Ben Affleck. Jesse Eisenberg, who I think is unbelievably miscast. Uh, You have Holly Hunter. You have a great cast. Oh, Jeremy Irons is Alfred. That's perfect. That's so good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when this whole cast list was coming out, man, I was all for it. I I mean, I wasn't the biggest fan of Man of Steel, but it's Batman v Superman. So, I mean, how much more hype can you get, especially with this cast that they announced? Um, But yeah, yeah, the biggest thing that Warner Brothers and DC continue to do is wasted potential on their casting. Exactly. They squandered it. They completely squandered it from the get-go. And this is going to be a reoccurring theme, especially with the next movie we're going to talk about. And the same year, Suicide Squad comes out. And this comes from writer-director, and I say this very loosely, writer-director, <laughs> yeah. David Ayer, who most should know Training Day with Denzel Washington and Ethan Hawke. And it comes with a budget of $175 million. It grosses $746 million worldwide. But with a critic score of 26. Again, we have a great cast here. Will Smith, Margot Robbie, Jared Leto fresh off his Oscar win playing the Joker who was previously held by Heath Ledger who won an Oscar. Uh, You got Viola Davis. I mean, what's not to love about this cast, right? Fun fact, this came out on my birthday that year. Oh, wow. Happy birthday to me. (laughs) Thanks, Warner Brothers. I hate it. (laughs) Funny enough, I had... 
I was visiting my cousin in San Antonio and the I can't remember what their theater is called. It looks like a like the a Palladium. Yes. Yeah, it looks that's like a, right. You saw this at the Palladium. It was my first time there. Oh, and I my watched, God. You can say a lot of things about me, but you cannot say I don't support these movies because I've gone to see almost every single one of these movies. That is that's for sure. Um, okay. Yeah. So you have a great cast. And I guess it was from Guardians of the Galaxy where you have a ragtag team kind of forced to work together. Yep, this came out two years after. So they shot the year after it came out. So they were they were like right on it. And if it wasn't more apparent that they were trying to replicate that success, the trailer for this movie. Not, not even the trailer, the movie itself. The soundtrack. It has a Guardians-type soundtrack. It tries really hard. Yeah, it's like Greatest Hits soundtrack. Basically. It's, yeah, at least with James Gunn, some of his song choices were, it felt a little bit more personal, whereas here, it sounds like, well, what was big in the 70s and 80s? Exactly. Like, we, we, gotta, we gotta match that tone. And going back to David Ayer, recently he's talked about him wanting his own cut. That's not going to happen. As much as I would be happy for him and how big that would be for, like, director's rights and everything, yeah, that's not going to happen. I think Zack Snyder barely got his director cut because, I mean, how long has it been since Justice League and it's finally coming out? Yeah, it's been about a good four years. Yeah, and they're already rebooting this movie. Uh, This is coming out, weirdly enough... A day after this movie came. So this movie came out uh, August 5th. And the Mm -hmm. new Suicide Squad movie is coming out August 6th. Isn't that something? Same time slot. We're going to go back to Batman v Superman because here it's the same thing. You have a very high intake in the box office. But the critic score is so low that there has to be a new correction in where we're going. I mean, if we're going based off money... We would have seen a sequel, a direct sequel to this movie. But the fact that its reception was so low, I mean, we'll get, we'll talk about Birds of Prey and the new Suicide Squad movie. But yeah, it's, uh, again, you have a great cast, you have a great concept. The concept's great too. DC villains being teamed up, and if they don't do the task, their head gets blown off. I mean,. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. It's a fun premise. That, that, that's that's fun, and yeah. It's, again, David Ayer, he knows his action. Another movie that should have been great. But then Warner Brothers, okay, so so I have a hypothesis for Warner Brothers, and I am pretty sure that all of these movies have been reactionary uh, to the last one that we've got. You know, with Man of Steel, it does what it does, and then because of all the destruction and everything... Warner Brothers is like, all right, Zach, you can't do that again. And he's like, okay, I'll let the audience know that no one on this island, uh, that there's no one on this island. That way, everybody's safe and we can do as much destruction as we want. And then, uh, well, I mean, this movie didn't get a lot of uh, reaction time uh, between uh, BVS, but it was reacting to uh, the newest success of Guardians of the Galaxy with its pop culture. And you know with how much color they put on the poster? There's none of that in the movie. The movie looks so dark and it's so drab and it's so hard to see everything. So you've got that going for this movie. And then each movie after that is just always reacting to what came before it. And Warner Brothers, because of that, Warner Brothers has never let their directors breathe and be able to do whatever they want. And the few times that they have, it's worked wonders and they just need to keep doing that. Three strikes are out, right? I mean, it's... At this point, this <laughs> franchise, it's over before it even started. Let's read it. Let's hit the reset button real quick. Yeah, and you talk about a studio giving their directors complete control. 
out of that, we get Wonder Woman in 2017. Director Patty Jenkins, we have a budget of $149 million, but it grosses $822 million with a critic score of 93%. And this is exactly what Wonder Woman needed. This is exactly what Warner Brothers needed. This needed to be not only a financial success, but it needed to be a critic success. And boy, howdy, does it excel in both fields. A lot was riding on this movie now, now that we think about it, kind of leading up to this movie. I mean, you have three critically panned movies, and you have a questionable casting choice of Gal Gadot, who was casted in Batman v Superman. So you kind of have that question of like, can she carry her own movie? Will this be a repeat of what we have gotten three times before? But you're right. This is exactly what DC needed. And it's what Zack Snyder wanted to do with Superman. You even have the gray big villain at the end. So it's it's exactly what Man of Steel wanted to do. But this movie got it right. And it's set in the Great War, World War One. How more bleak can you get? On paper, before this movie came out or we even saw any kind of trailer or anything you would have thought we would have gotten another Man of Steel. Like, oh, you're going to take this uh, this superhero who wears blue and red, and you're going to put it in this dour mood, and it's it's going to be deeper than it should be. But no, it, it, it's, again, the perfect balance of what it should be. It, it's not too light and jokey like Marvel, but it's not dour and just downright dark for the sake of being dark honestly i think if this movie was not good i think this would have been it for the dceu i don't think they would have gone with justice league if this movie wasn't a success in every aspect i kind of want to disagree because they it came out the same year so i'm guessing they were filming back to back honestly yeah if this movie wasn't it I mean, Justice League still would have came out, but I think they would have just ended it there. I don't think we would have gotten anything past Justice League if this movie didn't do good. I mean, this is the perfect reset button, if you think about it. If they would have started off here, it would have been perfect. It would have been great. You would have had time to give Batman a break from the silver screen, which we kind of always do need after, you know, after Schumacher and that whole fiasco. It was so long before we got the Nolan Batman it would have been a nice touch to just leave Batman alone for a while. Start off with Wonder Woman. Zack Snyder could be like, hey, oh, that's how you do it. Okay. And we get a good Superman movie and then bring in Batman. And then you go off and we're ready for Justice League. Dude, how good would it have been if Warner Brothers started with this movie, like you just said, but like they didn't allude to it or anything. Uh, I mean, everyone kind of assumes that it's just building a, a universe and then Superman comes out, and then in the BVS trailers, they don't show her at all. And then she just shows up in the final act, or, like, she's just there in the scene. Like, how, like, Wonder Woman's in this movie now? What? And then that would have actually, like, you could have actually given her something to do. So many things could have been done differently, even with just the first four movies that we got. And not only are they out of order, everything went wrong in the first two, it's, it was a mess. Like I said, they tripped themselves starting, and I think they've been fumbling ever since. They have not gotten back up. This is a good, this is a plant. And then they immediately just trip in the next one with Justice League. I really enjoy Wonder Woman, and I think everyone can agree that the the last act, the final, uh, the boss battle at the end, kind of goes off the rails a little bit. 
but that doesn't it doesn't compare to the rest of the movie and what it did for not only itself but the entire franchise wonder woman really lifted this franchise on its on its shoulders and it did as much as it could it also proved that gal gadot could lead a movie yeah there was a lot of naysayers a lot of oh not naysayers i'll say there were there were a lot of people who were skeptical of her casting choice. I'm one of those people. I don't think she's the best actress in the world, but this movie, I don't know what Patty Jenkins did with this first movie, but whatever she did, she needs to do it again in the third one. They kind of already messed up. I thought it would have the greatness would have carried over to Wonder Woman 1984, but we're getting a, a little ahead of ourselves. Let's move on to Justice League first. Yeah, so we have probably the most problematic in terms of behind the scenes with this movie and we should be saying Zack Snyder's Justice League but apparently we're getting that this year so this was <laughs> directed by Joss Whedon and this was like midway through production I want to say I think they were uh in the editing process oh wow and uh yeah the reshoots hadn't even been done yet and then uh the Snyder family had a family tragedy uh so Zack decided to step down and then uh Warner Brothers got uh, Joss Whedon, who we all know from the success of Avengers. That movie would not be what it was without Joss Whedon. Yeah. So they get him to fix, to come in and do reshoots and finish editing the movie with Justice League. Everyone who wasn't already on board was going to be. And I, I don't know what went wrong. Yeah. So again, this is where we start talking about Marvel more because at this point we had... Age of Ultron, the second Avengers movie, and of course, all the other movies in between, it had already came out back in 2015. So DC is barely hitting their landmark team-up movie. Infinity War is coming out the next year. It comes out in 2018. The MCU is practically finished with its first phase. Okay, no, its first saga. Yeah, there's just two more movies left of its saga. Or three, really. By 2018, we're already down to a decade of Marvel just hitting hit by hit. And we have Justice League barely coming out. And I wouldn't be mad if we had to wait even longer because I feel like this franchise needed to wait. It needed to play the long game like Marvel did. Do you know what I mean? Like, it just felt yeah. like everything was rushed even though movies span like three years apart it still felt like it was rushed and with a budget of 300 million which is kind of like not true because i feel like this was the budget of its first round of production so i, I don't think this even includes reshoots and all that because you said they replace snyder during the editing which means post-production mm -hmm. correct yeah wow so yeah with the gross of 657 million worldwide it doesn't really mean much it sounds like a lot of money but when you think about the money they spent to completely reshoot the movie it took a huge hit and it shows in the critic score with 40 percent not only that but this should have been warner brothers first billion dollar movie with this franchise this is justice league for crying out loud avengers was just a bunch of b and c list uh characters and that did wonders. So this this is Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, and The Flash. Already you have those four, and then you have Cyborg, who all the kids know uh, from Teen Titans growing up, and then you've got Aquaman, who they're reforming in this movie to be a badass. Great. You've got all the cards right, and then it just fails. Yeah, with Jason Momoa bringing in the Game of Thrones demographic. Yeah, that's right. So, <laughs> again, great cast. You have a great concept. 
It's the Justice League. It's the superhero teams of superhero teams. This is creme de la creme. Everyone knows Super Friends growing up. Justice League, the animated series. Yeah, and Avengers was nothing back in the late 2000s. Nobody knew, a lot of people didn't even know who the Avengers were. How many Batman movies and how many Superman movies had we gotten before Iron Man? And we'd only gotten all the bad Marvel movies and Spider-Man 1, 2, and 3. That's all Marvel had to show as far as movies went. And then you have Warner Brothers over here with DC and their animated movies and their live action ones. You had Superman Returns back in 2006? Yes. Yeah. So that's already their second iteration of Superman. And Marvel has just had flop after flop, especially with the Fantastic Four. They can't catch a break. Warner Brothers should have been the top dog in this fight. But Marvel was the underdog and they usurped. They're now the kings of the world we can't really fault this movie again Zack snyder i mean it's not his fault he had to step down for a very tragic reason and i i don't even know if i should even blame joss whedon for this type of movie well it sounds like we should because the behind the scenes like all the ethical stuff whenever joss took over apparently that was a shit show and uh ray fisher brought it up and uh just a couple weeks ago uh it all kind of culminated with Warner Brothers not keeping him on for the Flashpoint movie and I think I don't I don't really think he's going to get another gig at Cyborg anytime soon after this. Yeah. So they've lost their Cyborg because of this movie. And as much as we praise Joss Whedon for giving us the first Avengers movie, we also have to do we have to mention that he gave us Age of Ultron which isn't it's not the worst thing in the world no but it could have been a whole lot better it should have been a whole lot better because of that movie everyone was like oh wait is marvel done now yeah doubts were starting to come up because of all that yeah and i think they both kind of suffer the same problems where you have a team-up movie and you kind of convolute it more than it should be i mean you're already having all these big characters together you have to keep that story simple and this movie, like Age of Ultron, kind of suffers that same thing. It's a shame. It really is a shame because, again, great cast. Everything on paper is right. And Warner Brothers has just time and time again ceased or failed to deliver on the filmmaking aspect part, which is arguably the biggest part of a film franchise. Yeah, so let's move on to Aquaman that came out a year later in 2018. I think more than a year later. Well, we'll talk about that, though. Uh Directed by James Wan, a budget of $160 million, grossing over a billion dollars worldwide with a critic score of 65%. So we took a break from the DCEU. I think this came out in December of 2018. Justice League came out Thanksgiving around that time in 2017. So we took like, what, a 13-month break? Yeah. And they come back with Aquaman, and this is the movie that's their billion dollars. Yeah. Not Justice League, this movie, Aquaman. I mean, it kind of makes sense, though. You have Jason Momoa in the role. Everybody loves him. And he was the best part of the Justice League. So, of course, I'm going to watch a movie solely about his character. And not only that, but, like, you have James Wan who did The Conjuring. So the people who are film buffs like us, we recognize that name and we're like, oh, hey, Conjuring guy. Let's see what he, what scary, wacky stuff he could do with the, all the sea creatures and the design of Atlantis. Yeah, I, I'm very surprised this movie made the money it made. But I feel like it was a change of course where the poster we're looking at right now, it's embracing its comic book roots, finally. 
I mean, yeah, the suit looks great. The suit compared to the Justice League suit, it, it's it's brighter, and it's just it's owning what it is now. You know what I mean? Like we're we're kind of past the whole grounding everything and it it trying to be realistic. We're finally embracing the comic books. We're we're starting to get some color in these movies. Starting to get some lightheartedness. Like the last time we saw the suit was with like Aquaman skiing on two dolphins, right? That's the last time we saw this one. <laughs> yeah. And even though it, it does bring in some color into this franchise, for me, it still didn't work. There's a lot going on in this movie. More, again, more than it should. You, you have like five, four storylines going on. It trying to be the most, uh, one of these old blockbuster movies where you have a song thrown in there for no reason. Do you remember that with the Pitbull song? Yeah, it was an <laughs> Africa remix. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah, this movie is definitely trying the most out of all of them. I think out of all the movies that we've gotten so far, this is definitely the one that's like, oh, yeah, they were really trying with this one. They were they were throwing everything at the wall, and we just got what even what fell on the floor. <laughs> and you would have to say it worked. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it got the job done. Even the critic score is not low as I thought it would it, be. Not that bad. Yeah, it's, it's 65. Barely passing. It's an, it's barely an okay fresh. movie, you know? Would you want a tomato that's 65% good? <laughs> would you eat a tomato that's 65% good i would give it a gander <laughs> i mean like i mean it's a tomato <laughs> you kind of pick it up you kind of see if it's ripe enough you're like oh it's not ripe, but you know i gave it some time i gave it some love let me just put it back but again a great cast willem dafoe that's pretty much the whole cast right there for me <laughs> uh dolph lundgren <laughs> yes uh, uh, patrick wilson mm -hmm. friend of james wan so i mean you got a good cast and then uh, there's she who shall not be named uh, um oh nicole kidman as the mom oh yes and you have uh who voices the 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 kraken thing looking oh uh is that um mary poppins <laughs> why is her name escaping me julie andrews yes julie andrews what? yes she I didn't know that she voices the big old monster thing oh my god and you know what's funny i feel like this was the same year mary poppins returns came out yes it was and she denied a cameo in the movie <laughs> <laughs> she did because in Mary Poppins there's a scene where it's an obvious like setup to like oh let let me turn around this person and it's gonna be somebody you know and everyone's like oh Julie Andrews right it's like no it's from another lady from that movie that ah, ah. Oh, okay yeah anyways she uh, <laughs> she turned that down to uh, get in a little studio and uh, say a few lines good on her she got she got her coin I can't blame her for that and then we jump a year to Shazam, directed by David S. Sandberg with a budget of $100 million, grossing $366 million worldwide with a critic score of 90%. Would you look at that? This was a very quiet movie. I don't think enough people saw this movie than they should have. This movie, I didn't like it on the first go-around, so maybe I'm to blame. I was, I was the bad word of mouth this time around, but I, <laughs> I knew I was in the minority. That's the thing. Everyone I talked to loved this movie. I hated it when I first watched it. I was like, what is everybody seeing in this movie? And now uh, I rewatched it for this conversation, and I, I don't know what I was on again. I liked it this time. There's a lot of good things going on in this movie. Why did I not like it the first time? It's fun. It's 
it's big with Tom Hanks. It's big. Yes. It's big as a superhero. And it Oh, it takes that concept and runs with it, dude. It's so much fun. Zachary Levi, I love him in this movie. He's great. And you another page stolen from Marvel when it comes to these movies. You get a director. He knows how to work a movie with a small budget. And you are hoping for a big turnout at the end. It reminds me of when they got the Russo brothers who came off of television work to do Winter Soldier. Yeah, Arrested Development. Yeah, and you have them do these big budget movies with not such a big budget, but you have such a a great outcome in the box office. And here it works again. You have David S. Sandberg. What did he direct? He did um, Lights Out, I believe. That's right, yeah. He, he, he was more known for his low-budget horror movies. Yeah, uh, so the story with Lights Out is that it was originally a YouTube video. Like, it was, it was just a little short film that he put on YouTube, and the studio saw it, and they're like, hey, this is great. Do you want to make a movie out of it? And then he did the second Annabelle movie, but then he did this one. He's a, he's a good director, dare I say it. I, I cannot wait to see what comes next from him. Yeah, so, I mean, there's not a lot to say about it, because I guess, like, the other movies had a lot going on with it. Yeah, I'm, this one, definitely, you feel its budget, but that's a good thing. It definitely uses all 100 million of it, but it tells a really good, small, and focused story, and that's what we need, and I don't think Warner Brothers has figured that out yet. Speaking of figuring things out, let's move on to our next movie here, This isn't technically part of the DCEU, but we do have to talk about it. We really do. It's the Black Sheep (laughs) and the the Dark Dark Horse. Horse. Yeah. Uh Oh. Oh. (laughs) It's the Joker, directed, produced, and written by Todd Phillips, who brought you the Hangover trilogy, uh, with a budget of seventy million, grossing one billion dollars worldwide, and a critic score of sixty-eight. Do you remember when we first broke this news on the Cinema Show back when this first came out that Todd Phillips is, or Joaquin Phoenix was going to be in a Joker movie? I remember when this was being talked about for Martin Scorsese. That's directing right. a Joker movie. And it's so funny how Todd Phillips was chosen because he it's a it's a huge homage to Martin Scorsese. I think that's the reason why Scorsese didn't do it, because he's like, Okay, you're just trying to copy me. I'm not gonna if I'm gonna do this movie, I'm gonna do me and I'm not gonna do someone's interpretation of me. Which a Martin Scorsese Joker mobster movie, that sounds awesome. That's what they were trying to get. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, Warner Brothers would be stupid not to do this. I mean, it's a low-budget, focused character study on a character that's just as recognizable now as Batman. And the last time we successfully have seen this happen was with (laughs) Heath Ledger, which won him the Oscar. So it's Warner Brothers having its pie and eating it too, where it wants to be a superhero blockbuster movie, but bring it down to a very small focused story. It's a character study, essentially. Disguised as a superhero movie. And Todd Phillips and... Okay, so every... I was watching directors' roundtables around this time because it was getting thrown in for the Oscars and stuff. Yeah. uh, Which I personally don't think it should have. But Joaquin Phoenix and the score, uh, those deserve the awards. But everything else, I was like, okay, why are you doing this? Anyway, every time he would talk about, like, how this movie got made, he'd be like... Yeah, it's like we tricked the studio into making a character study, but it's a superhero movie. We kind of pulled a Trojan horse on them. But I think that's what Warner Brothers wanted originally, so I don't know why he would say that. 
Yeah, I feel like Todd Phillips, I, I didn't watch that, but you quoting him on that, it, it, no, it seems like Warner Brothers wanted this. They wanted a recognizable character that is highly profitable and at the same time shoot it for the Oscars for that critical praise. And they got both. They really did. And it kind of gets blurry with the whole critic score especially leading up to the movie and its perception. Yeah, there was a huge controversy. The army got involved in everything, and everyone who knew the movie, who the, the general public hadn't seen this movie, and the only reason why there was a big hubbub in the beginning was just because of The Dark Knight Rises. But they're just trying to tie things together. Anyway, this movie should not have been a, as big of a deal as it was, <laughs> in my opinion. I think it's it's not bad, but it's like it's not okay. It's not good. It's somewhere in that middle ground, and like I can enjoy it definitely, but I, I don't, I don't know. I I have weird feelings about this movie. <laughs> yeah, I'm very conflicted about this movie too. I I'm a huge Scorsese fan, and it's obvious that. This movie is essentially the king of comedy and Taxi Driver with Joker mixed in there. And props to Joaquin Phoenix. He did a great job. I mean, he definitely deserved the Oscar. That's for sure. He, I mean, he put his work in. And we talk about trailers. I had never been shut up more by a trailer than with this movie. As soon as that first trailer came out, I was like, okay, yeah, I was, I was wrong. This is going to be great. Yeah, up until that trailer, I was... I saw it for what it was, and I'm still not wrong. Like, I, I kind of saw what Warner Brothers was trying to do, and they did it. Again, it's a bankable character that they're using to not only bring in a profit, but also get that critical claim. And they did it. They they did it right before our eyes, and I'm not mad about it. I'm going to be honest. I'm not mad about it. I'm, I'm not mad about it because of what this means of, of what this hopefully means that Warner Brothers will do in the future. I, I really hope that what we get from the DCEU is just more character studies or just having fun with itself, being self-aware, which, now that I think about it, Matt Reeves' Batman is kind of like the opposite, but we're still excited for that movie. I'm still excited for that because I'm, Matt Reeves is a competent director and it feels like they're just letting him do whatever he wants. That movie looks so good. And this is why I, I wanted to bring up Joker, because it's not really within the universe, but it is going to course correct Warner Brothers and DC on how they're going to approach their franchise. They're not really necessarily really concerned about continuity anymore. Uh, maybe, maybe some other movies, and I guess only time will tell now. We don't know what is going to be planned for the next Justice League movie, because that in itself is a whole problem. I really feel like because of the success of Joker, we are getting the Batman. And speaking of Joker, we kind of come back to the DCEU with Harley Quinn in Birds of Prey. And the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Yes, directed by Kathy Yan, budget of $82 million, grossing $202 million worldwide, with a critic score of 78. Now, this movie comes in at a very weird time it came in just a month before the pandemic hit yeah not enough people saw this because of the pandemic it only got a month in theaters and then no one was going anymore but i i really hope in the meantime uh since this movie has come out i really hope people have sat down and watched this movie because it's definitely worth your time it's such a blast Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn is the most perfect casting choice that has ever been made in all of Hollywood, hands down. 
She's fun to watch in this movie. The rest of the cast is just as good. Uh, Kathy Yan does something exceptional here. This movie is fun, dude. It. I can't wait to... I really hope we get a sequel of this because both Kathy Yan and both Margot Robbie sound really excited for the future of this franchise and I really want to see it keep going. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's got its flaws, but overall, I can't recommend it enough if you haven't seen it already. Especially, uh, it's kind of required viewing going into The Suicide Squad later this year, so... I could have watched this movie in theaters and I decided not to. I don't know why. I think for me, it was the questionable performance of margot robbie now okay i will say this margot robbie is great i love her and i think she's a perfect fit but for some reason her performance in suicide squad was just it didn't click for me it felt like it could have been better than what we got i think that's more so on the production behind suicide squad and the director and its writing and however it was chopped up in the editing room there's a lot of factors that go into an actor's performance and i really think all of that is uh, behind it. But yeah, it, it's kind of almost like th they're two completely different Harley Quinns. Yeah, and I eventually did watch this movie. I rented it during the pandemic, and I, I did enjoy it. I'm It's nothing to write home about for me. I, I thought it was fun. Now thinking about it, maybe it's because I didn't really enjoy it as much. But for me, it's not as memorable as, say, Shazam. For it being a low-budget, focused movie on a certain character... For me, I I thought it was okay. That's fair. And that's what I think about the movie. It's fair. <laughs> Ewan McGregor. Yeah, Ewan McGregor. He's having fun. I feel like everyone's having fun. I, the one that stood out to me was the little girl. I thought she was fun. I thought she was funny. Yeah. She was pro probably my favorite part. Very surprising, especially me looking forward to Margot Robbie's portrayal of Harley Quinn. But yeah, I'm, it was good. It, it's not a bad step. For the DCEU, it's a it's a nice, fair step. It's a step forward, I would say. I think this is a great step forward. <laughs> fair, a great step. <laughs> now we're at our final, our latest movie in the DCEU. Wonder Woman 1984. Directed and written this time by Patty Jenkins. Now, I would give you a budget and a gross for this movie. But, as we all know, this movie was... One of many casualties of the pandemic. Well, even before then, it was supposed to come out in the summer of 2019, and we got it Christmas 2020. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's right. It was delayed even before the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they've been doing press for this movie for so long. I'm sure that Pedro Pascal and Gal, Gad Gal Gadot are finally like, thank God we don't have to talk about this movie anymore. <laughs> wow, that's very surprising. I, I really want to know what happened behind the scenes now because the critic score comes in at 60 percent i'm not sure if they updated it because quite frankly i think it should be lower my consensus on the movie is if patty jenkins wanted to make richard donner's superman she ended up making joel schumacher's batman and robin okay i don't think it's bad i was very disappointed in this movie you know how disappointed i was i risked my life to watch this movie <laughs> I went out to the theater to support this movie. I can't... You saw this movie in the theater and not Birds of Prey. Can you blame me, though? I mean, look at the success of Wonder Woman, the first one, and all the hype that was coming into this movie, and Patty Jenkins feels like she's finally getting full creative control. That first Wonder Woman kind of felt like, towards the end, somebody else took over, like, oh, 
bring in the visual effects guys. <laughs> All right, Patty, you're done here. All right, let's get Jim. Uh, you're directing this shot today. Uh, tell the animators what to do. And so here she's finally in both seats. She's she's directing and writing. Last time she did that, we got Monster, a powerful performance from Charlize Theron. I, I mean, can you blame me that I risked my life to watch this movie? Uh, you get a pass. Just this once. Thank you. Thank you. So my thing is like, what the hell happened? Uh, well, not only she wasn't the sole writer on this movie. Uh, she and Jeff Johns, who's supposed to be the Kevin Feige for this universe. I think he's been on melatonin or something this whole time because <laughs> he has not been present. There has been no course of action for the DCEU since he's taken over. So he did the story along with Patty Jenkins and then those two and then some other guy. Yeah, David Callahan. Yeah, I think that's where it went wrong. Uh, adding men into the mix into a Wonder Woman movie. I cracked the code. <laughs> yeah, and we're looking at this poster here and it's a shame that this movie didn't have as much live color in it. Yeah, you, what I said about Suicide Squad, this poster has way more color than the rest of the movie. The cheetah fight, I did not know what was going on. Cheetah looked exactly like the background. She blended in. Oh, yeah, that whole third act fight between them two. Oh. Yeah. This movie, yeah, it it brings up a lot of strange questions about uh, consent. Well, (laughs) I don't want to get into that, too. But, I mean, (laughs) proof is in the pudding because it succeeded more it being on a streaming service compared to it coming out uh, in a healthy world right now. Imagine the numbers if this had came out in theaters with everyone, you know, live and well. Honestly, I think the same thing would have happened. Word of mouth. I mean, it would. I think it would have made a billion dollars, but I think most of that would have been attributed to, like, its early performance. Yeah, I don't think the legs would have been that good on this thing when word of mouth would get around. Well, even think about this. It coming out on streaming service, it's essentially coming straight out of home video. I mean, how many months do we have to wait until a huge movie like this comes out on Blu-ray and that gives people access to the entire movie where they can do their film analysis and just rip it apart, whether it's good or bad. But it coming out on streaming, you had a whole essay on this movie that same night it came out. And you want to talk about the internet and word of mouth, things spread fast. And I remember like it premiering and the Warner Brothers did like a whole online thing. And already in the middle of all that, people were saying, yeah, not good, not good. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Yikes. It's it's a lose-lose situation here. The movie's going to speak for itself no matter what. At least with it coming out in theaters, you can wait until Monday to see, oh, how much did it earn? Instead of like it coming out on Friday, everyone's going to know what everybody thinks about that movie that same day. If you think about it, this movie was pretty much the flagship for HBO Max, you know, same way as Mandalorian kind of was the big Tetpool property to bring everybody in, to bring in those subscribers. You know what's funny? I think Godzilla vs. Kong is going to bring in more people than this movie did to HBO Oh, Max. without a doubt. There's so much internet hype around Godzilla vs. Kong that it... I feel sorry for Wonder Woman 1984. This movie didn't deserve to be bad. This movie shouldn't have been bad. Yeah, and it's not one of those things where I expected it to be bad. I was, I was so hyped for this yeah, movie. Yeah, I thought it was going to be great going into it. I'm like, dude, if I get, Wonder, if I get the first Wonder Woman again, I'm going to be ecstatic. I just want more of that first Wonder Woman. So I I feel like there's some things that do work 
for this franchise. And I, I feel like they should stick to those things that do work. Uh, even Aquaman, even I, um, it's not for me. It did work. It broke a billion dollars. Yeah, it was their first movie too. It worked. And Joker worked as well. And I feel like we're getting little one-offs that don't connect at all to this franchise like the Batman. Yeah, and, and we don't really know what's going to happen after that because Flashpoint has been up in the air ever since Batman v Superman came out. And with them firing Ray Fisher as Cyborg, I mean, you have to completely cut that character. Either that or you just recast, which would be weird after introducing him in Justice League, you know? He'd only been in one movie and he's already cut. Um, Henry Cavill is missing. There's so much behind the scenes trouble, drama, whatever you want to call it, that we don't know what really is in store for the DCEU after the Batman, after next year. We don't really know what's going to happen after this. Yeah, and just when you think we're going to head in a new direction, even though they haven't really came out and announced anything, because the last two times they did, it's always been a different lineup, uh, which kind of shows their lack of communication and planning. But anyways... Just when you think, like, okay, we've made our mistakes through our various movies. Now we can move on. We can start fresh again. But they come out and they want to release the Snyder Cut. And this is the last thing I want to talk about because it's it's going to come out in about uh, in a month. Next month. Yeah, mm -hmm. it comes out in March. Yeah, next so, month. So, look. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. It's not hashtag Snyder Cut. It's hashtag Snyder Cult. Because these, these people have been, are they trolls at this point? Because they essentially got what they've been begging for. For four yeah. years, they have been spamming and just terrorizing fans. Like the common folk, like people just some. hey, uh, when's that next Batman movie coming out? Oh, how about you release the Snyder Cut first? Like as if Man <laughs> of Steel was any good. I mean... Uh, and then, and then, like, we get Batman v Superman. Oh, that was good, right? Oh, no, no, wait. Release the director's cut, the Snyder cut, and it's going to make so much better. Like, oh, great. All we got was Jimmy Olsen. Oh, we justify why he got shot in the head. Oh, great. Yeah, like, that made the movie any better. And now they think a four-hour version of what we got back in 2017 is going to make it that much better. Even the yes, because Joss Whedon wouldn't. There's no Joss Whedon in this movie. That means it's gonna be so much. It's 100% Zack's vision. Those are their words. It's gonna be 100% Zack's vision, and that means if it sucks, that's 100% of Zack's. That sucks. Well, that's the thing. Even if it does perform like Man of Steel and Batman v Superman director's cut, which is solely Zack Snyder's vision, they are convinced. Those movies and this movie, even if this movie is terrible, they're going to praise it just like those other two. Uh, yeah, like the people who already hate it are going to hate it. Uh, the people who love it are going to love it. Like no one's going to change sides after this movie comes out. Like what ultimately Warner Brothers is losing another 300, 400 million dollars right into this movie. And I, I just hope it pays off for them. Did Warner Brothers think that catering to the 12 angry fans on Twitter would bring in <laughs> millions of more subscribers by giving Zack Snyder almost like a billion dollars to redo a movie that came out four years ago. I, I made a joke and maybe, maybe that was my fault. I made a joke on Facebook 
And I, I, I did a little jab. I, did, I just did, hey, you know, uh, if Godzilla and Kong was made by Zack Snyder, it'd be very dark and bleak. I, I edited a photo. And this person just, like, insults my... He thinks I'm stupid because I don't get... I don't get... <laughs> movies i don't get Zack snyder even me liking the marvel movies i can admit it's formulaic sometimes it's not thought-provoking at all you know yeah we could we could do an mcu retrospective and still just have as much stuff to complain about oh yeah i have plenty of complaints for the marvel cinematic universe but at least i i can admit it's wrongdoings i can say hey that was funny yeah they they are light and jokey and silly at times and but when it comes to Snyder cut it's like do or die there's no reasoning with people it's either Man of Steel is like the passion of the Christ for superhero movies or you're an idiot that's what it seems like for me am I wrong no no it's a hive mind for sure and even if this movie is great Ben Affleck's out Henry Cavill Warner Brothers is done with Zack Snyder I don't think he's gonna get another gig with Warner Brothers after this I think they're done with him so what's the point what like what Warner Brothers could have saved their money they could have invested in future projects Green Lantern if any character needs like a redemption it's that character why couldn't they just do how that? offensive for them to tease Green Lantern in Justice League like that, and we still don't have a Green Lantern movie or any semblance of anything revolving Green Lantern. Missed opportunities. Missed opportunities. I sound frustrated, but it, it's just, it's not even from the filmmakers themselves anymore, even though I still have my criticisms of Zack Snyder. It, it comes from the people that surround this particular movie, you know? And I'm still hopeful for this franchise. I'm looking forward to that Black Adam movie with The Rock. Oh yeah, whenever that's coming out. That's all I have to say about it. And I hope this was informative for everybody. Is there anything else you want to say before we wrap it up? No, I've gotten all I needed to say about the DCEU. And I don't want to talk about them until I have to again. <laughs> yeah, same here. So that's going to be it for us here. But for those listening, what are your thoughts about what we discussed here? Let us know on our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram pages at Cinema Show Live, and use that hashtag Cinema Show Live. Give us your questions and comments about this episode, or maybe you want a shout out. Either way, you're all part of the panel as much as we are. Jackson, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jackson underscore DML, uh, and without the underscore on everything else, including Letterbox. Follow me on Letterbox if you have one. Oh, you know what? We didn't get a chance to hear from Dario on this episode. Ah, dang yeah. it. That's right. Uh, you know what? We'll get you next time man okay huge thank you yeah. to dario for composing our music and follow him on twitter at dorito is the name not sponsored um <laughs> and you can follow me on my personal twitter at dylan mm5 that's right d-y-l-a-n-m-m-5 this is the cinema show remember all films are subjective and it's all about perspective have a great day and a better tomorrow